Welcome to the Keon Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Vince McKee. If you would like to be a sponsor of the Keon Sports Podcast, please email me, coachvin14 at yahoo.com. I can promise you, you'll get a lot of bang for your buck. No doubt about it there. Our story earlier this week with Brock Lesnar and Terry Reynolds is now over 250,000 views worldwide. Now, without any further ado, let's get to our guest, John Fitch of MMA World. You know him from UFC, World Series of Fighting, and now Bellator. It's our honor and our pleasure to bring you John Fitch. Let's get him to the phone now. All right, on the hotline with us now, John Fitch of the MMA World. You know him from the UFC, World Series of Fighting, and now Bellator. John, how are you today? And thank you for coming on the show. I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to ask you to start off here. Um, you know, coming out of uh, Carroll High, uh, what made you decide to go to Purdue University and uh, become a Boilermaker? Well, I uh, I wanted to I wanted to wrestle against the best people in the country, and that was to me the Big Ten. You know, schools in the Big Ten. So I knew I wanted to go to a Big Ten school. And then, uh, you know, it was twice as expensive to go out of state. And so sure. then now choice selection down to two. And uh, I already had uh, friends that were going to Purdue. Uh, an ex-teammate um, was already at Purdue Wrestling. And uh, IU sucks, so I went <laughs> to Purdue. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, um, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm from Northeast Ohio. So I'm about – no, it's all good. <laughs> I'm about I'm about two hours north of Columbus, and uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty rabid out here, you know, with uh, Ohio State, and um, I mean yeah, we we find ourselves like pulling for Big Ten and you know the NCAA tournaments and bowl games and stuff, but you know besides that, not really. Um, so <clears throat> I wanted to ask you this now, and this is always a favorite question of mine, simply because I know myself. I came from a family of amateur wrestlers, uh, high school and college, on both my mom's and my dad's side of the family. Now, as we all know, there is no such thing as professional wrestling. I mean, there's the stuff you see on TV that's scripted, but there isn't really like a professional wrestling you could get into. So for you, coming out of Purdue, you made the choice to go into MMA training, and I'm, I'm just curious, what made you decide to start training along alongside American Kickboxing Academy? Uh, that was that was kind of a roundabout way I got out to California because uh, um, I, I started talking to a, a manager called uh, uh, Dwayne Zinkin, who is a, a American wrestler out of Fresno State, and um, uh, he kind of was recruiting guys out of college because he thought fighters were the next big things in fighting uh, college wrestlers were so. He he had, counted, he had uh, contacted Tom Erickson, who was he was an assistant coach at um, at Purdue at the time, and you know Tom put me in contact with him. So like he was working with Crazy Bob, and Crazy Bob was with Frank Shamrock, and Frank was with uh, Javier Mendez at AKA out here. So I came out, you know, around that time to kind of scope things out. I was in grad school as a grad assistant at uh, Purdue at the time. I came out over Thanksgiving break just to like, see what was going on and see what it was like to actually train like a fighter instead of just making it up <laughs> like we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and that, that's kind of just led to me to uh, making my way out to California. So here's the thing now, you know, it, and I love Forrest Griffin. He's one of my all-time favorite fighters to cover as a journalist and root for as a fan. However, when I look at the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, 
and, th and this is me talking completely on the record, and it might get me in trouble, but it's fine. I think you personally, okay, I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone with me. I think you personally, when you look back at everybody's career, were way better than anybody to come out of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. So when I started doing my research and find out how close you were to being on that show, it makes me kind of scratch my head. What happened? No, I mean, it's the, it was it was the uh, progression of what they've been working for. It's, I mean, they've, they've turned it into pro wrestling. They turned the sport into pro wrestling without uh, predetermined outcomes. You know, the fights are real, but, but the uh, everything else. There's no real ranking. There's no, uh, even the title is just a, a trophy. They say they give the, to the best fighter that night. It's not a world uh, trophy. So a world title. So, I mean, they've kind of made a mockery of a, a beautiful sport, I think, with, with uh, the monopolizing things. But, you know, um, uh, I'm hoping that, that we get more uh, freedom and a free agency in the sport to get things back to uh, operating the way it should be. Yeah, I agree completely. I think uh, competition is, is the best you could have it. And, I mean, you look at <clears throat> you look at situations like, how did this guy get a title shot? I remember a few years back, you know, Michael Bisming uh, beat Luke Rockhold. He's the middleweight champion. And then Dan Henderson comes in, and Dan Henderson hadn't won a meaningful fight in years, and all of a sudden he gets a title shot because yep. yeah, everybody wanted to see a rematch. Brock, you know, and it's like, you get this weird feeling like Brock Lesnar could come out of retirement at any time and get a title match. So I get I get what you mean. I mean, and, and I'm telling you right now, as a journalist and as a fan, it is frustrating. There's no legitimacy anymore. No, and it's and, and don't get me wrong. Like it, sometimes you want to see Brock come out and, and fight somebody in a big fight, but it doesn't have to be, you know, for the title. <laughs> or you know, the the freak fights or the circus of things they can still go on. Like they're they're still fun. But like you need some kind of uh, merit-based system for rankings and the titles. No, yeah, I agree. You know, I don't want to get too far off track, but I talked with guys like Gray Maynard this week, Sean Shirk, about health insurance, pension plans, and things of that nature. You know, it, it really is like they, they bring you in, they give you two comp tickets, they let you know two uh, quartermen come in, and it's just all of it's ridiculous when, when you break down the amount of money you get paid compared to the amount of money. You have to spend on travel, hotel, corner men, training. It's 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 not what people think it is. It's what yeah. It's one of the big problems is the secrecy around why people are being paid and and uh, not knowing how much the company is making off of you is 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 an even bigger problem. You can't really negotiate uh, what you what what you what you're getting paid if if you have no idea how much money you're making with people. Yeah, then that that is definitely a problem. I agree. Um, so let's talk about you, because we could we, we could talk about issues with with the UFC all day long. Trust me, I know. <clears throat> now, but for you, man, you, you know, three, two, and one, not the best way to start an MMA career. However, something clicked, and you went on an amazing run of sixteen fight wins in a row. You know, ten of those coming in the UFC, sixteen straight, ten in the octagon, absolutely unbelievable. What clicked mentally and physically? that led you go on that amazing run? Well, I started training training full-time. That was when I uh, I had moved out to California. The uh, The first fight I fought with uh, American Boss Academy was uh, the first of that 16-fight that streak. So going from a hobbyist who, you know, hit a heavy bag every once in a while, watched some, watched some VHS tapes on how to choke people and punch things, 
and <laughs> going from that to being somewhere immersed in martial arts where I was training, you know, three times a day. You know, one, we're going to get to your title fight here in a second, but when you, you know, before that, you faced the Elves, uh in, in 2006, and at the, at the time, he was known as one of the hardest hitters in the UFC, a guy who would just come out and take somebody's head off. I believe they call him the pit bull. So, you know, but you then you took him out via TKO. Why did you find success that night? And, you know, I have to ask you this on a personal level, you know, years of you being a wrestler as well, I mean, is it always going to be, you know, if a guy's going to come at you and he's going to try to take your head off, you know you can just ground and pound him if you have to? I mean, that's the thing is, if you are a one-dimensional fighter and you only have one thing you can do, it becomes easy to deal with you. So if you're just a powerful, you know, striker, and all you have is, is punches and kicks and knees, uh, you become kind of uh, predictable with, with what you're trying to do, uh, where you're trying to go with the fight. And that's why it's important for fighters and MMA to, to mix things up and keep the guy guessing on, on where you're going. Right, correct. I mean, <clears throat> so, you know, moving on, you know, finally at 19-2-1, you get your first shot at, M- at gold in MMA altogether, your first title fight, and you have to take on the best in the world, at, you know, GSP. Why was his style so tough to deal with, and what about him makes him one of the greatest of all time? Well, I actually did fight. I won a belt uh, in, a, in a tournament in, in Mexico. Okay, my, my apology. No, yeah. Before I got into before I got into uh, uh, the UFC, so I am I am the Me- MMA Mexico uh, welterweight world champ still. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I've, I've never lost one of the any of the belts I've won. <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, with with GSP, I uh, I had really crappy defense. Like my striking wasn't good, and I had I didn't have a good uh, game plan going fight. He had recently lost to um, Matt Sarah. You know, he got clipped by Matt Sarah, and I, I was still thinking that his uh, his chin was suspect. And all I had to do was you know hit him a couple good times, and and that would have been enough. So I, I think. Uh, you know, not having a, uh, a a defense, a striking defense on the level that needed to be there uh, on top of uh, a poor game plan. You know, I don't, even, <clears throat> I don't have it in front of me, but I'm almost positive. Um, I think Brock, we were joking around about Brock Lesnar. I actually think he was on the undercard that, that night um, against Heath Hearing. But, uh, and that's just off the top of my head. But, you know, I do remember your fight that night very, very clearly. And it showed me how much heart you had. And I truly mean that because, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but yeah, like you said, you kind of took a beating. Like you took a lot of shots. And I kept thinking like, man, this guy just keeps coming and keeps coming. And like not only that, but you looked stronger as that fight went on. So even though you knew in your head, like I'm probably not going to win this fight on points, how important was it to you to finish? Well, I mean, he, he punches powder puff, so it was so bad. <laughs> So look, you fight until you use you over. It's, I don't know. Y'all, I know on speed, you just you just get after it, and uh, you know you're in the fight as long as the fight's going on. It's my my luck. So <clears throat> this is this is interesting to me, and this is something again I'll never forget it. So after that, you win five straight. All right, you rattle off five straight wins, and in my opinion, just my opinion, you deserved another shot at GSP. All right. 
at that point, your record was ridiculous. I want to say it was like 24-2-1 or something. Just amazing. So, instead, the UFC, instead of giving you the title shot, which I believe you should have got, another rematch, they sent you to Australia to fight oh. BJ Penn. Two-part question here. Why do you feel they, they, they sent you to Australia to fight BJ Penn, number one, and then number two, do you feel that that fight was a draw? It definitely wasn't a draw. And it was, they had announced... Uh, before they announced our fight, that all main events were going to go five rounds from now on. Yep. And they announced our fight. They're like, well, not this one. This one will only be three still. <laughs> but no, it was uh, it was a major stall tactic. They were trying to uh, stall me out. They didn't want me to fight GSP again. They didn't want that fight to happen. It wasn't going to happen. And, uh Yeah. They, I, I was even, I remember back, I had to read through my journals, but like I was, you know, wanting to be released, I think, by that time. I it, was just for the treatment. It just, I couldn't believe it. You know, and like I said, this was actually right before I got, got into the business of journalism, just just looking at it as a fan. And I, I mean, I watched that night too, and I don't even think it was a draw. I thought, you, I feel like you won that fight, quite honestly. I think they could have stopped it a few times in that last round. And I mean that's probably where the ten eight came. Yeah, it was uh, uh, yeah, and you know it was uh, you know they didn't have a commission necessarily set up in Australia yet, so the judges were you know not necessarily uh, skilled judges, and um, I don't know. It's just uh, they they definitely were pulling out the stops to try to get me away from uh, another title shot. So speaking of which, and I think I already got the, the answer to this one, but <clears throat> after three more fights in the UFC, you left for the World Series of Fighting. Why'd you do it? Uh, well, they let me go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, you didn't even try for a new contract, or just you ready to go? No, they just uh, they they terminated my promotional agreement after I lost to Damian Maya, and uh, I was a free agent. So. Um, Goran Rebney wasn't interested in belt, you know, because he was running belt at the time, but he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Uh, so I, I signed for a major uh, pay decrease fighting for uh, World Series. You know, your run in the, in the World Series of fighting was a good one. You know, going 5-2, and two, capturing, capturing, you know, MMA gold for the first time as you won their welterweight championship. How good did it feel? Well, sorry, the second time. I'm wrong there. <laughs> how, how how good did it feel knowing that you made the right choice at the time, you know, going to a World Series of Fighting? Did, did you feel that way? Uh, I mean, it's what I had to do. It's what I had to do. There wasn't really another uh, place to go at the time. You know, UFC bought everything else up. Uh, a lot of the other uh, markets have been kind of choked off. I don't know if I'm... Uh, uh, wanting to go all the way out to, you know, want to see your fight in Russia to, to do it. So, you know, I think uh, World Series was the best option. And, um, you know, they seemed uh, promising, you know. They were like they're having uh, uh, investors and money and, you know, uh, going to be on TV. So it seemed like uh, a viable uh, place to go. So they decided to fight there. They had a few uh, guys worth fighting, too, at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And one of them was Jake Shields. Um, you know, one of the bigger wins of your uh, World Series of Fighting the Stand was against Jake Shields. What did it take to be successful that night over him? 
Uh, positioning, you can't let every let him get a dominant position because he just rides the hell out of it, and uh, he'll use it to to uh, slide in, seeking a submission somewhere. But uh, yeah, he's got a great top position. You got can't lose his takedowns with him, and you got to be fast. Two last questions for you here, and thank you again for coming on the show. Much appreciated. What led to choosing Bellator? I mean, coming out of World Series of Fighting, you, you possibly could have went back to UFC. You could have probably did a lot of different things. But, you know, what what's with the uh, Bellator choice? What's the motivation behind that for you? Uh, Scott Coker is a great promoter. And, you know, I had an opportunity to, to fight for him uh, back when UFC cut me for, you know, not signing the video game stuff. And, uh... I should have. I should have probably just went and fought for you know Scott at Strikeforce, but I, I, you know I ended up staying with UFC. But uh, I thought I'd give it a shot, and um, you know I hear nothing but good stuff from from uh, what Coker's doing. So so far so good. So last question for you. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us again. Two part question: What fight in your entire career would you like to have again? Like to to run it back, and then two: Who have you never fought? that's still out there that you want to take on? Like, is, is there a name that you would love, you know, to get in the cage with? Um, I think I'd like to have the Damian Maya fight back again because I was kind of sick that day. I probably shouldn't have fought. <laughs> so I think that would have been a good one to have. Um, what was the other part? Oh, who haven't you fought yet that you want to? But, mm, I don't know. Any of the top UFC guys right now, Walter White. <laughs> you know, okay, so I gotta ask you a bonus question now, and I wasn't I wasn't gonna do this, but why not? Do you ever think in, in, in any world possible that we could get a super show where you take the champions you take the champions of UFC against the champions of Bellator and the weight classes, you, you have one night, you know, a super card. And you split the profits. But, I mean, why not? Like, why would that never happen? Because do you feel like there's just too much to lose for the losing promotion? And, uh, yeah, they're not going to lose the control they have over the titles and the top guys they have in each weight class. But the only way to do that is to have the Ali Act come in, and then you have uh, co-promotion, and it's, it operates the way it's supposed to, and it's like that all the time. <laughs> Where The number one, number two are always going to fight. You're still able to put together... Uh, fan favorite fights because they're popular and they sell, but you're gonna still have uh, you know people who are represented by different promotions that work together. Those promoters are working together like they do with boxing. Right, that would make the most sense. But honestly, John, I appreciate you taking a few moments today to, to speak with us. We want to wish you the very best in your career moving forward. And is there any last things you'd like to shout out to the fans? Anything you need to promote? Any sponsors you need to hit up? No, let's check out johnfitch.net and sign up for the newsletter. I send stuff out. And I got a free uh, uh, basic course for kids uh, that I just put out. I'm working on a neck care uh, system that I'm going to put out too. I'll be available if uh, you sign up for the newsletter. Hey, that's how I got the interview. It worked for me. So, going to wish you the best, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you in the future. Awesome. Cool, man. And that was uh, the one and only... John Fitch. So definitely not shy about uh, quite a few things there. And uh, we'll see what happens next in his career. 
interesting take on the developments with the UFC over the years. And like you said, you know, some uh, some fan-friendly fights that maybe logically didn't make the most sense, but maybe for the fans they did. Only time will tell as the uh, the record books go down, to say the least. So, good time today talking with John Fitch. We hope you've had a great week listening to us here with Keon Sports. As we said earlier, go check out all the interviews we've been doing lately. Tito Santana. We had, uh, obviously, Terry Runnels. That interview went viral. Hector Guerrero. Um, just on and on down the list. Scott Hudson, uh, Sean Shirk earlier today, now John Fitch here. So just one after another, some big names coming up as well with Nikita Koloff, and on and on we go. For Keon Sports, I am Vince McKee. Have a good night.